Um, welcome to Engaging and Empowering School Libraries, a podcast that aims to raise the profile of school libraries by talking about topics that are current across education and teaching. Today, Daryl and I are continuing our monthly chat, Fossil Education and School Libraries. We hope to help you engage with the content on the Fossil Group website, introduce you to people who are using Fossil in schools, but most of all, just have a conversation about the role of school librarians within education. So hi, Daryl. Thanks for joining me again. No, good morning. So this month, we're chatting about what you can find on the Fossil Group website and developments over the summer. So let's start, Daryl, by explaining a little about the Fossil Group website and why you set it up. So maybe if we do that backwards, um, just explaining briefly how we ended up with the Fossil Group website, um, because that will help explain some of the stuff that is there, uh, as well as some of the stuff that isn't yet there. So I um, kind of stumbled into school librarianship in 2003 uh, and discovered a, a, a calling to school librarianship. So my journey as a school librarian started in 2003. Uh, and in 2008, I was appointed as uh, head of library and information services at Oakham School uh, in the East Midlands. And Oakham offered uh, A-levels, um, but they also offered the IB diploma program. And um, as I've as I've written elsewhere and uh, on the Fossil Group website, I became increasingly uncomfortable with the fact that we were expecting students who had chosen to do the IB Diploma, which has the compulsory extended essay, which is a 4,000 word independently researched, formally presented, um, piece of academic writing that required them to cite and reference according to a, a standard style format, um, I became increasingly uncomfortable about the fact that we didn't prepare them for that, um, certainly before they started their extended essay, um, and that actually our support, so our instruction and support while they were doing the um, extended essay wasn't satisfactory. So by 2011, I had established um, Fossil in its first form, which was uh, a framework for Oakham School Information Literacy. Um, and I had been looking for a framework of skills, um, specifically information literacy skills, specifically um, citing and referencing skills, that were developed progressively and systematically over time. So I wanted to know what would be appropriate to teach students, for example, in year nine and um, students, for example, in year seven. So we, we were a secondary school. Um, so what would be age appropriate in year seven and year nine in order to um, be able to honestly say that we had prepared our students for what we were requiring of them in year 12. Um, and that, that search led me to Barbara Stripling's Empire State Information Fluency Continuum, 
Um, but crucially, what I found in her framework of skills were information literacy skills alongside other learning skills that were part of an inquiry process. Um, so realizing that citing and referencing was part of the express stage uh, forced me to begin asking what happened before express and what came after express. Um, and even then, something as simple as uh, students looking for sources of information and working with sources of information earlier on in the process um, were needing to record details about the sources of information, even though they would only need that um, in the express stage. So, um, as I began to wrestle with developing these skills systematically and progressively within an inquiry process, a learning process, more and more colleagues at other schools, um, some librarians, some not, uh, and both within the UK and beyond the UK, an increasing number of colleagues became interested in the work that I and we were doing at Oakham. Um, and it became more and more time consuming to reshare in person uh, stuff that we had done and were continuing to do, which is where the idea of some kind of online repository um, of resources and ideas and thinking and possibly even um, discussion and collaboration originated. So, so can I just ask, a, a lot of school librarians listening to this will feel very comfortable in the information literacy skills, which is where we have currently sat for many, many years. The before and after, the, the, the skills that aren't, don't necessarily fit, fit into information literacy. <clears throat> this is sort of expanding the role of the school librarian, isn't it? And how do, how do the school librarians that are currently using it find that it fits in with their role? I don't know whether you could answer that one. So this, so we can talk about this now because I, I had originally, um, begun to formulate an answer to this particular question uh, to talk about later when we spoke about what next. So 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 further developments. Um, but it does actually make sense to talk about it here. So because I think it's really important, um, one of the things going forward that I think we need to address more purposefully and explicitly um, is the misconception that information literacy or even media and information literacy is inquiry. So um, it seems to me that, that there is great confusion around um, what information literacy is in relation to inquiry. And it seems that there are colleagues who 
um, confuse information literacy with inquiry or equate um, information literacy with inquiry. Uh, and if I'm being honest, I, I don't think, not only is that not helpful, I think it is actually harmful and is one of the major contributing factors to um, the sapping of the educational potency of inquiry. Um, now, it, it's actually quite interesting because partly um, in preparing for the workshop, the IASL workshop, um, I revisited a book that I must have bought in about 2005 called, um, it's in the Principles and Practice series. It's, it's in fact the first book in the Principles and Practice series, which is edited by Barbara Stripling. Uh, and was published in 1999. Um, and the first title is Learning and Libraries in an Information Age. And very interestingly, in that book, um, there is a chapter by Carol Coulthau. Uh, and that chapter is titled Literacy and Learning for the Information Age. Now, in her chapter, so if you remember, she's writing in 1999. Um, and she only developed her information search process model uh, in 1989, and then her guided inquiry model in 2007. Um, but in 1999, she's already anticipating inquiry, and she writes an inquiry approach to learning. Um, inquiry requires information literacy skills. So it's, it's, it's as clear as it can be that information literacy is not inquiry. And then crucially for us, when librarians and teachers collaborate to create an inquiry approach to learning, students develop dual con competencies in subject content and information literacy. So, so... <clears throat> Sorry, are we saying that we are, as school librarians, encouraging inquiry-based learning with our information literacy hat on as our area of expertise? Or are we saying that school librarians need to be taking the wider context? So if, if our schools aren't currently teaching inquiry-based learning, which a lot of them aren't, um, and thankfully, <laughs> thankfully, you're a perfect example of a A-level and GCSE school who have taken inquiry <clears throat> alongside teaching to um, support the students to A-level and GCSE. Is it the teacher's role to, to teach the inquiry or is it the school librarian's role or is this a collaborative event? <laughs> so I think... Um... This is one of the puzzling things about um, school librarianship, um, not just in the UK. There are other countries that, um, for some reason, uh, where the same confusion persists. Um, but already in 1999, um, Carol Coulthau is uh, highlighting the collaborative approach to teaching and learning. Um, between the librarian and the teacher, um, where learning, so inquiry-based learning is directed at 
important subject content in the process of which um, information literacy and other skills are developed meaningfully and systematically and progressively over the, the child's time at school. Now, that is why Barbara Stripling was so emphatic right from the very beginning that a sound or robust model of the inquiry process is a necessary but only first step. But then what is required is the systematic and progressive development of a wide range of skills, which include media and information literacy skills, within the context of subject area teaching. So those other skills, are they skills that the school librarians teach? Um, so, 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 so this is, this is one of the things that, um, one of the, the other things that we need to address going forward is that I think we need to be less concerned about um, whether they are information literacy skills or not. Okay. What we need to be more concerned about is um, the wide range of learning skills, some of which are information literacy skills. Okay. Um, and the systematic and progressive development of those skills within a learning process. So our first concern must be with the student and what the student is needing to learn and then the process through which they learn that content. And in the process of learning that content, certain skills are necessary, and those are learning skills, some of which are media and information literacy skills. Okay. So our concern is with the learning process and the place and the role of the library and librarian in that learning process. So obviously there, immediately, the teacher is a, a, a subject area specialist, but those teachers will, in the context of their subjects, will have certain skills that are crucial to that, crucial and specific to that subject, which isn't to say that those or similar skills don't appear in the learning of other subjects. So that is why a map of the skills that are necessary is so important um, because it's that that helps us to establish a deeper connection with our classroom-based colleagues about what skills need to be developed at which stage in the process, as well as how those skills develop over the course of a child's time at school. So for the time that I was working within schools, it was very obvious that I would go in and teach some kind of research skill with a class. And particularly in secondary school rather than primary, that that skill 
if if the whole school or the whole year group teachers knew that that skill had been taught in that history lesson, if they had been reinforcing or re uh, helping the students to use that skill, less teaching of it would be needed. Um, we need to move beyond that once a year, I've got into year seven to teach how to use the library catalogue and expect the students not to ha ever have the opportunity to do it again until the following year in year eight when I do the same lesson. What you seem to suggesting is that is that there needs to be some kind of mapping across the curriculum that allows school librarians but also senior leaders to see that learning the learning process is happening alongside the teaching of the curriculum it, it, have I got that right is that what you're saying um, so I, I think it, pro it probably even goes one step further than that which may be beyond the the the, the scope of this podcast um yeah. because what I think the case actually is, is we are all fundamentally concerned with students learning content. Um, the question is how they go about learning it. Okay. And um, we, 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 we may in this podcast still touch on um in, in uh, when, when we talk about um developments going forward because uh one of the things that we tried to address in our extended workshop IASL workshop in Rome was to um begin to examine four of the tendencies that sap uh inquiry of its educational potency okay uh, so one of those is to teach skills apart from content. Okay. So I think that is that is one of what um, in in terms of what we were talking about briefly now. That is one of the um, the challenges that we face if we are concerned about teaching information literacy skills. So if that is our concern, yeah, that is only one subset of skills within a broader learning process they're not even the only skills yeah but our focus then becomes where can we squeeze a little bit of teaching of these very important skills yeah. into something else that the teacher is doing yeah rather than um our focus being collaborating with the teacher on does um on designing and supporting a learning process in the course of which children need to meaningfully make use of and develop a range of skills some of which are information literacy skills yeah and at the same time so that's one of the tendencies one of the other tendencies is um what neil postman um, called the the engineering or over engineering of teaching. So um, a growing emphasis on what it is that the teacher needs to do 
in order for the student to learn. But that is a, a that is a that is a view of what learning is and how learning best happens, which is not the only view and not even necessarily the best view. Yeah. Which means that we also have to have a concern about what it means to be educated and what it means to become educated and the vital role that the school library and librarian play in the pro process that produces that. Okay. I can see that I'm going to really struggle to keep us to top onto topic <laughs> this podcast. Um, so, so hopefully that's given people listening a, a little bit of a taster of the type of things that we are going to be delving into more in, in future podcasts. But let's bring it back a little bit, um, because I do want us to talk about where people can find help and support. And we mentioned the Fossil Group website and why you set it up. Um, I will put a link to anything that we discuss in, in the podcast notes below. So um, the books that you've already mentioned, they, they'll go down there as well. But, but specifically on the website, what are people going to find that are that is going to be useful to them? So the reason why um, I did deviate slightly into the uh, that answer to the question um, is because I think it is important for people who are visiting and exploring the Fossil Group website to understand um, that what we are actually wrestling with there is how to um, design and support an inquiry-based approach to teaching and learning. Um, so so in, in that sense, so what, what I'll do is just talk through... Uh, the 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 website what i should just say is historically um two things that are, are are probably important to mention and to understand in relation to the website um is that as i said by 2011 um i had developed a framework of skills based on the empire state information fluency continuum um that was largely focused on understanding how information literacy skills, specifically citing and referencing, developed over time, um, which is why it was very narrowly a framework for open school information literacy um, of, of, of skills for, for um, information literacy. Um, but because of growing interest in that work, uh, in uh, 2018 at the SILIP School Library Group uh, conference, um, I presented something uh, called Information Literacy Frameworks, The Next Steps, um, because of this growing interest in and growing need to support colleagues who were uh, wanting to develop information literacy skills within a learning process and specifically an in, in inquiry learning process. Um, 
so that didn't really go anywhere um because the the my my initial um intention had been uh because i was on on the national committee uh of slg that we might be able to find a way to develop so to continuing develop uh, continuing to develop um and support colleagues who were interested in information literacy and other skills within a broader learning process um but it became necessary then to pursue that uh, individually, um, which I was in a position to be able to do at Oakham School. Um, so I do need to mention that um, setting up the Fossil Group website in the first instance was only possible because um, the principal, the, the headmaster, the academic deputy headmaster, uh, and the press officer. Uh, saw real value in sharing freely uh, what it was that we were learning and developing at Oakham School with colleagues who were interested elsewhere, who weren't in a position to be able to do that for themselves. Um, so on a very limited budget, uh, we were able to work with a company called Welland um, to set up the website. Um, Jenny and I were largely responsible for the content uh, of the website, although other colleagues did contribute um, when we, by the time we launched it, including yourself, uh, Chris Foster, and certainly Lucy Bragg. Um, so helped to generate some of the content in order to launch it, which we did uh, at Lilac uh, in 2019. So that website was launched at the same time that I did a presentation called Information Literacy, Necessary but Not Sufficient for 21st Century Learning. Uh, and you were there. Uh, and one thing led to another. Uh, and that led to a deepened and broadened collaboration, which continues to this day. Um, so, so, so that's that's where the website came from. So, so the the two things to bear in mind is it was a very limited budget, um, and most of the work that was done on that was uh, uh, was done on the website was done by Jenny and me in our spare time. Yeah. Um, so as a consequence, there are certain things that we've only realized over time um, that would have been good to be there or clearer from the start. And as time and money allows, uh, we, we, we will address. Um, so, yeah, the, 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 the main parts of the website are uh if we look at the drop down um the drop down menus uh is the fossil cycle um so 
what we were trying to achieve there was to give an overview of the fossil cycle. So the so so what what the fossil cycle is, the the fossil inquiry cycle is. Um, so if you click on the fossil cycle, um, that is the the full model that I developed from the Empire State Information Fluency Continuum, um, and and there is an overview of what the fossil cycle is uh and then the two things on that page that are important is that there are uh links to the uh skill sets so one of one of the um the really important developments that barbara stripling brought about um the original framework of skills was developed in 2009 was published in 2009 and then um, working with a team of colleagues in New York State, they reimagined the, the framework to take account of educational, technological, um, um, demographic changes. Um, but one of the, the, the crucial things that they uh, added were the skill sets. So those skill sets make it clearer what kinds of things are going on in each stage and already even at that skill set level you can see um, where our interest and our concern broadens out beyond information literacy um, both in terms of stages in the process but even in the kinds of skills that we need to um, become familiar with um, and facilitate collaboration with classroom colleagues yeah um so those skill sets um but then crucially each um it is possible to step through each stage in the process so you can either do that um by clicking on the stages in the diagram or you can navigate through um by clicking on connect wonder investigate construct express reflect um so for each stage there's a more detailed description of what is going on in each stage. Um, and then very importantly, what we did was uh, we spent quite a lot of time working with Barbara Stripling um, on revisiting. So, so we had had uh, some points to consider for each stage. And um, at that stage, uh, I started meeting with uh, Barbara Stripling once a week in, in 2020. And um, one of the things that we were focusing on at that stage was um, inquiry as a stance of wonder and puzzlement, um, a way to engage students intellectually and emotionally in the learning process. Um, so what, what we did was we went through um, those points to consider um, to make sure that uh, there, were, there were points to consider from both uh, a process um, and from a stance. Uh, and then what we did was identified featured resources, so generic resources, graphic organizers um, for each of the stages. Now, obviously, the, the, the framework of skills stretches from PK to grade 12 reception to year 13. Um, so 
we are slowly developing resources for different um, graphic organizers for different subjects at different ages. Um, so those are just some of the more useful generic ones to give an idea of how the teaching and um, development of skills within the process might be taught and facilitated. So somebody arriving on, on the Fossil Group website, that's probably a good starting point, isn't it? It gives you a, a good overview of the fossil cycle and each of the individual stages in that cycle. As well as some of the graphic organisers or resources yeah. that have been developed to yeah. teach and support the, the, the process at that stage. Yeah, so I personally have been through each of the stages. So I, you know, I'm going to take the opportunity to to let you know that I have um, created some training based on the the fossil cycle. I've even can um, there's one free um, overview which which um, I'll share um, on that is on YouTube. But but also I've unpacked two stages at a time. So connect and wonder, and then. Um, and going through so so there are three um training sessions if anybody's interested to go into into it deeper but but that is definitely a, a really good starting point and you talked about the graphic organizers and I know on the website there is a, a resource tab isn't there that that then gives you everything that is has currently been created um and as, as you said it, it has it is slowly growing. Um, these things take time to a to implement um, and to create. But also, what I like about it, Daryl, is the fact that there's a there's like all of the the graphic organisers that are available have been used within teaching and learning. So there has been a process of creating them, but also using them so it's not a case of here's something that looks great and looks pretty um have a go it, it it is a real case of you and jenny specifically although there are some other um resources that are there that have been created by others but every single one of them has actually gone through that process of planning and organizing and using with students so you so the you there's a real essence and a feeling of it of it actually being more than just a tool it, it's something that is living and breathing and moving and changing as as needs must is that what you thought it was going to be when you started um so so again one of one of the reasons so, so it is probably just worth um, br briefly mentioning um, the, the three main reasons why I chose Barbara Stripling's model and the Empire State Information Fluency Continuum that had grown up around it. Um, the three main reasons for choosing hers was, uh, one, she had made all of their work available for free under Creative Commons. So it was only possible to um, begin working with her stuff and adapting it for our specific 
needs because she had made it available for free, which is why everything that we have done is also available under the, the same Creative Commons license for free. Um, the second thing is that her model of the inquiry process is as simple and as logically named as it can be without losing any of its power. So I think this is something that comes through very strongly in the IFLA School Library guidelines. And I think, um, again, is something that some colleagues are confused about, is that um, a lot of thought and work uh, needs to go into developing a model for it to be sound, a sound model of the process. Um, and of, of the major models, the major sound models, um, none of those models is perfect. So they all have strengths and weaknesses. So one of the things that we did discuss in the um, on the Fossil Group website with you uh, was the development of the Alberta model, for example. Yeah. Um, Carol Coulthau's information search process, which laid the groundwork for guided inquiry design. Um, that was another major influence. And then obviously Barbara's model and the Empire State. And, um, so years and years and years of thought and work went into the development of those models. Um, and of those models, the simplest and most obviously logical to me was Barbara's model. Um, so you've so even just at the level of connect, you have some kind of idea of what you're doing, wonder, <laughs> investigate. Um, so simple without losing any of its power. Um, but then the third reason was the highly detailed um, framework of skills that enable each of those stages in the process mapped out from reception through to year 13. Now, in that framework of skills, um, what Barbara and her colleagues had done was to identify priority skills. Um, so the full framework of skills is very comprehensive. It's very detailed and very comprehensive. Um, and nobody would argue is exhaustive because um, that framework needs to develop uh, in response to changes around us and even conditions in our schools. Um, but that, so they had developed uh, um, identified priority skills, uh, and for every single priority skill, they had developed a graphic organizer for that particular skill. Um, so because in. Uh, the inquiry process and the skills that enabled that process was broader than anything that we had encountered before. Um, the graphic organizers that they had developed for the priority skills were often very important starting points for us to understand 
what exactly the skill was, how it should be taught, and how it should be assessed. Yep. Um, but because we had approached the skills from the stage level, um, our graphic organizers tended to um, be broader. Um, and some of them even uh, span more than one stage. So say, for example, the investigative journal was something that we developed to help students as well as teachers, um, but to separate out finding relevant information in the investigate stage with reflecting on why that information was um, relevant, why it was useful, what they might want to do with it in the construct stage. Um, so, the, yeah, the important thing there is that um, if colleagues are interested in the systematic and progressive development of the skills, um, they have all of the um, priority skills in the Empire State Information Fluency Continuum with graphic organizers at their disposal, yep. um, which, which builds up from individual skills within individual stages to yep. our graphic organizers, which combine skills in many cases from more than one stage. And also um, what we've done with those um, graphic organizers is many of those are combined into inquiry journals, uh, which step um, teachers and students through um, each of the stages in that process for different subjects and at different year groups. But all of those were developed um, for actual teaching and learning situations in schools. Yeah, so that is what's perfect about them is that is that there is a very practical element of of teachers working alongside a school librarian in order to achieve what is actually seen on the website. So it's taken that it is taken that step further that actually people have been working their way through the process and we're beginning to see evidence, aren't we, in the forum, I would suggest, moving us on to the forum side of it, is that is that there is evidence of um, how things evolve from, you know, creating a great question post to, to you know, this, what the students have um, achieved from going through this process so the forum is a is a is a place where where mainly where the questions can be found um about the process isn't it i i think is the best way that i can describe it is that it's split into several areas but the main one and i can't think you tell me Daryl, what's it called the inquiry design yeah, inquiry, inquiry and resource design. Yeah, it's probably the one that if somebody is just looking at the, the forum for the first time, is probably the best place to, to land on, in, in my opinion. 
based on the fact that there's going to be things that you recognize, such as um, someone writing about uh, how do they start an inquiry on, they're doing pirates in year seven. Um, and the interesting thing for me is those kind of discussions are a great example of the fact that school librarians very often work on their own. Um, they maybe have got to the stage where they've been approached by a teacher for support and they want to do something beyond providing the resources for that topic. And, and the forum in this area allows school librarians to get the support that they need when they're just starting out. So there are some really interesting conversations about all sorts of topics that are currently in today's curriculum. So it's not something that is sat on the sideline like we've been talking about, it's something that is that is very embedded in the learning process and is helping teachers and librarians to collaborate. Um, is that how you thought that that was going to evolve that side of it? Um, so the, the, the very, very broadly, um, the two major parts of the forum, so, and, and they have to go hand in hand. Um, so in order to develop um, an inquiry and resources and specifically graphic organizers to support the inquiry, we, we need to understand what we're doing. Um, so in that sense, um, the, the two major um, parts of the forum are the nature of inquiry and information literacy. So what is it that we are attempting to do and how is our understanding of that changing? Um, and then practically, um, how is that working itself out in our particular situation? Yeah. Uh, so the inquiry and resource design is very much, um, here is an opportunity to collaborate with a classroom-based colleague on designing and supporting, um, either directly or indirectly, uh, an inquiry-based approach to teaching and learning. Um, practically, how practically what do we need to do, and how do we need to do it in order for that to be effective? Now, that so so, so obviously there's quite a range there, yeah. Because some colleagues are, um, as as we did, starting very simply with yep. we're wanting to teach citing and referencing more effectively uh that was literally how small our starting point was yep two for example um the year six interdisciplinary inquiry that ran over the course of the better part of a year and that involved collaboration between five different academic departments, including the library. 
so all of the thinking and resources that were developed to support that very complex, possibly the most complex inquiry that we've done. So there is this wide range um, of starting points for people. And even in our context, not everything that we are doing now, which is many years down the line, not everything is as complex as the year six interdisciplinary signature work inquiry, because with some subjects, we are quite literally collaborating on a lesson or two in order to teach something in a different way. Yeah. As part of something bigger, maybe over time. So let's, so let's, um, let's focus on the fact that somebody has just arrived on the website. Um, where would you, where would you suggest that they start? What is the, what, and, and if they are heading to the forum, what need, do they need to be aware of? So um, one of the, so it, every, everything on the website is free. Yep. So uh, it's possible to look at all of the resources. It's possible to download. Uh, it's possible to view all of the discussions in the forum. Um, one of the, the, the sections in the forum is um, fossil presentations. So uh, that is a combination of, say, for example, the IASL conference presentation um, that is available to download for free. Uh, those always represent our latest understanding of what it is that we're doing and how we are doing it. Yeah. Um, as well as inset that we do at Blancheland College. So every term, uh, we are involved in the inset program. And some of that is whole school, some of that is targeted either at primary and or secondary. Um, those presentations are made available. Um, but one of the, yeah, so, so, so all of that stuff is available for free. Um, in order to join into the discussions, it's necessary to register, which is also free. Yeah. Um, but one of the things that is quite annoying at the moment, which we uh, need to address is that it's necessary to register for each forum in order to be notified of updates to that forum. So that's through sub ticking a subscribe button, isn't yes. it? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So so if say for example you do register and you um either create a topic or reply to a topic, you can click to be notified of updates, but that is only to that topic. Yeah. Whereas if you went into each forum and clicked subscribe, then you would be notified of developments, updates to that entire forum. Now, I think we weren't, we, so we weren't aware of how important that was at the outset. Yeah. So as a consequence, um, being aware of how dynamic the website is depends on revisiting the website. Absolutely. 
whereas an increasing number of colleagues have begun to subscribe to the forums and as a consequence are aware of how much activity there actually is on the website. Um, and um, what is interesting is, is noticing how many colleagues are visiting more frequently as a consequence. Which is great. Which is so great. There, is a, there is an FAQ, so that is visible um, under announcements and general information. There is an FAQ subforum. And in that FAQ subforum, there is a, a, a thread about subscribing to the forums. Okay, so it's worth, uh, I will post that one on the yes. show below because that's probably worth having a link to as well. Yeah, it's good. And then the, 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 the FAQs in general, I mean, there is more work to be done on the FAQs. As, as are, there's always. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But there are some, there are already some, I think, interesting and important FAQs uh, about fossil and aspects of fossil that may not be immediately obvious um, that might be worth having a look at as well. Okay, so one one last quick question about about the forums. Then, if somebody has jumped on, um, read what they've liked, but decided they want to post a question or post start a discussion, can anybody do that? And um, would there be any any reason why something wouldn't be right if it was a question about inquiry? No, no. Okay. So anybody so, can, and yeah. we're all. So so part of the point of the fossil group is that it's a community of inquiry. So all of us are undertaking an inquiry yeah. into what inquiry is, and how it works, and how. To, to pursue and develop it. Um, so in that sense, all of us are beginners. We're all more or less far down this path. Um, so I think the one thing just to say is, and, and maybe this is also an encouragement to anybody who listens. Um, so it takes time and energy to reflect on stuff in the forum. Um, I can say, both Jenny and I can say beyond a shadow of a doubt that what has most contributed to our progress and, um, you know, in some measure our success has been being disciplined about reflecting on what we're doing in the forum. So that serves two purposes. The first one is that thinking about and thinking through stuff well enough to be able to share it, even if it's rough, um, helps to clarify stuff for ourselves, which then means that we are able to talk about it and explain it in a much more effective and compelling way. The second thing also um, that we didn't intend, well, actually I did, um, but it but it, but it has it has played itself out in a slightly different way. Is part of the reason for creating the website in the first place was to make it easier for people who were interested 
to make progress more quickly. Yeah. So we had to figure out an enormous amount of stuff the hard way because nobody taught us that. No. So we never learned that when we um, became school librarians. We never learned any of this stuff um, from anybody else. We had to figure it out ourselves and we had to look to colleagues elsewhere um, who had made more progress down that road than we had. So part of the point was um, to make stuff explicit, to share stuff so that we could all help each other to get better more quickly. Yeah. Um, but what, what the added benefit of that was, was um, we had a growing evidence base of stuff that we had done um, that we could point colleagues to. So that became a very powerful advocacy and marketing tool for us because we were able to say, well, look, this is what we've done in this year group with this class, with this teacher. So for us, it's like a portfolio of work that we've done that has been growing over time um, that we can then either refer people to or draw from when we are needing to produce reports of various kinds. It's a great CPD tool as well, though, isn't yes. it? Um, do you know, I know I know a few people who are currently going through their chartership mm -hmm. who have who have started um, questions, discussions on the forum, then created um, inquiry journals and have used that as evidence as, uh, you know, of of work done in order to to move forward with their chartership so that critical evaluation of work done is hugely important and and actually helps that other people learn too mm. so you know it's a great it's a great tool for not only finding out more information but also sharing what you're learning and wrestling with some of those ideas some of the mm. things that you don't really necessarily understand to start with become more obvious the more you discuss something so you know that that um opportunity to share with others is is huge so so we mustn't forget that well Daryl we have talked such a lot um I'm going to take before we I'm going to take a, a minute or two to um share something about my membership um but when we come back I'm going to we're going to finish off with talking about what's coming up and developments after the summer. Could I just quickly before you do that? Yeah. Um, because one of the things that I should also mention, um, seeing as we are talking about the website and before we move on from the website, um, following the, 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 the launch of the Fossil Group website, um, I did a presentation to the UK School Library Association board um, along the lines of information literacy frameworks, what next? Uh, and as a consequence of that um, presentation, I was invited to be a co-opted member of the board, um, but specifically in relation to um, the ongoing development of fossil. Right. And certainly uh, when we left Oakham, which was 
unexpected and unintended. Um, so circumstances changed uh, and one door closed and another door opened uh, at Blancheland College in Guernsey. Uh, but one of the things was that uh, Oakham School used to pay for the hosting of the website. So they paid for the development of the website and the hosting. Uh, and obviously because we were uncertain about how things would unfold once we left Oakham, uh, the UK School Library Association uh, took on um, the cost of hosting the website. Um, so we are very grateful um, to them for both uh, moral <laughs> uh, support, but also very practical financial support in that sense, because we certainly wouldn't have been able to afford personally um, to keep the website going. Um, so yeah, I wouldn't want that not to be openly acknowledged. Yeah, 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 no, brilliant. Okay, so I want to take a few minutes to introduce Engaging and Empowering School Libraries, a transformative training membership designed exclusively for innovative school librarians and teachers. If you're an educator or school with a shared passion for fostering collaboration between teachers and librarians across all subjects, then I extend a warm invitation for you to join me on this remarkable journey. My mission is simple yet powerful, to empower school librarians and teachers through comprehensive training and unwavering support. By equipping them with the necessary tools and knowledge, I aim to enhance independent learning, evaluate literacy levels, and, and nurture overall student well-being through the incredible resource that is your school library. By joining my community, you'll embark on an exciting adventure alongside, alongside like-minded individuals who are equally committed to educational excellence. Together, we'll explore a unique learning experience that embraces innovation and encourages the growth of your students. For more information about this extraordinary opportunity, please visit the link provided in the show notes below. Don't miss out on the chance to be part of this empowering initiative. So finally, Daryl, let's talk about developments. What have we got to look forward to in the coming months? So we, we, we have um, touched on, briefly, we've touched on, on one of the things that I think we need to do is there are, there are a certain number of misconceptions about inquiry that I think um, we have to start addressing um, more purposefully and explicitly. And the, fir the first one, which we've already touched on, is that inf information literacy is not the same as inquiry. Um, the um, yeah we 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 mentioned uh, Carol Coulthau what Carol Coulthau said about uh, information literacy within an inquiry process and that Barbara Stripling was emphatic about that from the outset. The interesting thing, which is um, something else that I think we need to begin addressing more purposefully, uh, is that. I think we may have forgotten some of the lessons that the IFLA School Library guidelines contain. So uh, that draws together international research over more than 50 years, and it draws certain conclusions um, that were agreed on 
by colleagues from around the world. So even where they they didn't necessarily agree, one of the the the, the guiding principles was um, that they would go to the evidence and that the decisions that they made ultimately would be grounded in evidence. Um, so there are a number of, of things that I think we need to, to begin addressing there. And one of them is that um, unless we have clarity about what the instructional activities of the school librarian are and are disciplined about priorities within that program, um, we end up with an unbalanced program. And if we have an unbalanced program, we weaken our position within the school. So um, that was part of what we tried to address uh, in both the uh, UK School Library Association Enterprise of the Year Award submission, as well as our workshop in Rome, um, is that an inquiry-centered instructional program encompasses all of the librarian's instructional activities, core, core instructional activities, and that if we are disciplined about that, then we create a balanced program. And it's through that that we become integral to the educational process. Now, there are certain factors that work against that, and we need to begin exploring what those factors are um, and addressing them more purposefully and explicitly. Um, then um, two really big developments are that Jenny and I worked with Barbara Stripling to uh, submit a proposal for the American Association of School Librarians um, conference in October, uh, which has been accepted. Yes. And um, what, we, what that does is it builds on some of the groundwork that we've done for the IASL conference. So four tendencies that rob or sap inquiry of its educational potency, um, which is linked to creating a balanced or unbalanced uh, instructional program. Um, and then work that Barbara is doing specifically for that, which I think is going to be of enormous value um, to us in reconnecting the school library with education more broadly um, is the portraits of an engaged and empowered inquirer. So that is in the forum and it's under um, the nature of inquiry and information literacy. So those portraits are, are, are absolutely critical tools for us to demonstrate um, or to engage in the conversation about what it means to be educated and where inquiry fits into that but also more crucially the way that we through an inquiry-centered instructional program contribute to all of the 
aspects that make up an engaged and empowered inquirer. Um, now, Barbara has done some amazing work, which is ongoing, but is aimed at the AASL conference um, to show how we contribute to the development of that fully engaged and empowered inquirer. Uh, and then the, 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 the other thing which is important for me and um, begins to apply our work more broadly. So the important contribution that the library makes to the educational process in school, but how that then, um, the importance and value of that beyond school, um, I wrote a, a chapter for the um, IFLA information literacy sections upcoming book called Libraries Empowering Society Through Digital Literacy Education. So my chapter is digital literacy necessary, but not sufficient for life-wide and lifelong learning. Um, so I'm in the process of putting together my presentation on that chapter um, for the information literacy section satellite meeting, um, which is part of the World Library and Information Congress in um, the end of August. Okay. Uh, and that I then think begins to paint a very compelling picture for why a school library and librarian is essential, integral to the educational process in school, but that what happens in school matters, um, is actually a matter of life and death. Wow. Um, beyond school. Uh, so over the next couple of months, we'll have an opportunity to begin to pull all of that stuff together. And over the next couple of months, I will begin to share those developments as and when it's possible to do so. Fantastic. Well, you sound our next chat, Yeah, our next chat will be very interesting indeed. <laughs> you sound like an extremely busy man. <laughs> Daryl, um, you know, I'm going to bring this to a close. Um, we do hope that you've enjoyed listening to this Fossil podcast. As always, if you'd like to comment on anything you've heard, we'd love to hear from you either on this podcast itself or head over to the forum. Um, I will put all of the links that we've talked about in the show notes below. Um, don't forget to subscribe so that you don't miss out on anything in the future. Thank you very much for listening.